So Money episode 98, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. So excited to have you join me this Sunday. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend. This is Ask Farnoosh. This is our chance to connect, going through all of your questions. I'm a little behind, I have to be honest. There's probably two weeks worth of questions in my inbox that I've yet to answer, and I'm going to try to get through as many as I can today. I guess that's a good sign. You guys are listening, and you have questions, and you're you're emailing me. And so I'm, I'm flattered on the one hand, but I'm also a little worried that I'm not going to get to everything, but there's always next weekend, and I promise to catch up sooner than sooner or later. So, uh, without further ado, let's go right to it and start with Jessica. She says, "Hey Farnoosh, in reply to your ask on seven day per week podcast, take a day off!" Exclamation point. She says, "I love the idea of a Friday Q and A that allows you a weekend to relax. Risk of burning out just isn't worth it. Keep up the good work. Love your show." Well, thanks, Jessica. You know, for those of you who are just catching the show for the first time or don't understand the context behind this um, very kind, kind suggestion by Jessica, um, you know, I've been getting some uh, comments that, you know, I'm worried from from you, from listeners, that it's like, I'm worried, Farnoosh, that you're kind of working too hard. The daily, the daily turnout, we can only imagine, is really taking a toll on your work-life balance and um, – well, you know, there are there's some truth to that. It's not easy by any stretch and it's a lot of work, but I do love it. I always told people when I started this podcast that it's a lot of work, but it doesn't feel like work because I actually really enjoy every aspect of this. I enjoy editing, I enjoy recording, I enjoy booking guests, I enjoy marketing it. So I truly feel like I have found my thing. Uh, and um, while I love all of the things that I do, this is this feels very much at, at home for me. But yeah, there is that risk of burning out. And so I am considering seriously scaling back, but it probably won't happen for a while. You know, I have personal goals with this podcast. I want to be able to keep the momentum going. It's been growing so nicely because of the daily aspect. And so there are some benefits to being daily, although, yes, I think at some point I'll have to reassess and maybe that I'll be mid-year or after a certain milestone of hitting so many episodes. But it is something that I'm considering doing and it's encouraging to hear from people like you Jessica that this would be okay with you if I did uh, if I did kind of reshape the the format a little bit at least the consistency so thanks for that comment and I appreciate you writing in Next, we've got Souk. He says, first of all, a big congrats on winning the podcast of the year. Yeah, that's, I still don't believe this, Souk, that I was voted um, best business, best finance podcast of 2015 by voters at gobankingrates.com. Great website. They basically put me in the contest with people that I bow to, like Dave Ramsey and um, Freakonomics and um, Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas, and I was like, this is no way I'm going to win. But I did promote it, and I did ask people to vote, and I voted. Of course I voted uh, many times, and I won in the end, and I'm very honored for this recognition, and it's very premature because I'm only like three and a half months in, but I'll take it. I will take the award all the way, and I'm very proud of it. So thank you for that. 
Anyway, you you have more here, Sue, and I, I sort of um, hijacked your comment. But basically, you said your podcast has been amazing. I listen to it nearly every day, and happy to say it's a good crash course in different ways to learn about money. Something I was never taught in school or college. Isn't that the truth? You said that despite having so much in student loans, I remember you, Sue. You have about two hundred thousand in student loans. How's it going? Um, you said, I managed to contribute to my Roth IRA on a monthly basis. Amazing. You need to write about this, Sue. If you've got six figures in student loans and not just like 100000 but 200000 and you're saving for retirement, you need to talk about this publicly. You need to teach people what you're doing. Uh, maybe write in and tell me and I'll read it out loud to my to my listeners. <laughs> you said that I, as I learned from you that like everything else in life, planning and saving for retirement is important as well. Many congrats on your accomplishment. Keep up the good work. So there's no question here, Suk, but I um, I really thank you for this comment. I know you've asked questions in the past, and I know you're a big fan of the show, and you're an avid listener, and I couldn't ask for a better listener. Sounds like you're really taking a lot of the advice from the show to heart, and to, you're taking action, and so that's you're like, you know, for me, you're just a model listener, and I'm, I'm grateful to have you as a, as a fan. So thank you very much. And yeah, I'm serious. Tell us how you are managing both retirement and student loans. It's very impressive. Veronica writes in, she says, hey, Farnoosh, it's Veronica again. I remember you, Veronica. She says, I'm still having condo woes. We would love to sell as you advised, but we are upside down in our mortgage and don't have the funds to cover a short sale. We are still trying to rent it in the meantime, and my husband has been looking for work but hasn't found anything yet. My parents' health has gotten worse, so my responsibilities have increased at home. Is there any more advice you could you could provide? Also, thank you uh, for the Amazon gift card. It helped purchase a birthday gift for my mother-in-law. Well, you're welcome for the Amazon gift card. And that was actually something that I gave to the first 100 people on my So Money podcast email list who helped me fill out the uh, survey that I sent out a couple of weeks ago that was meant to figure out you know who my listeners were demographically. And so I'm very happy that you participated and got that gift card. And I'm, I'm glad your mother-in-law got a cool gift. So that's cool. But more seriously, it sounds like you're, you know, you've just kind of, you run out of um, ideas about what to do with this condo. And I would say continue to try to rent it out and maybe expand the listing to sites like Airbnb, Home Away. Uh, because those are, while you may not find long-term renters that way, you might find some short-term renters. And I believe you live in the mountains or in like kind of a remote area, which could be fun for someone who wants to explore that part of the state. So uh, in addition to putting it on like Craigslist and through, on real estate sites, check out these vacation and short-term rental sites as well, because that could also bring in some nice revenue for you on a nightly or weekly basis. And I wouldn't try to go short sale as it is because if your husband is looking for a job, you don't want to be messing with your credit right now, especially if he's going to be looking for a job in business or in finance or anything math related or anything money related or anything that's valuable in the valuables industry like jewelry, because those employers tend to want to know what your credit history is. Because if you're going to be dealing with money in your job or things of high value, then they want to know that they're hiring people that aren't cash strapped, that aren't in debt, they haven't foreclosed on property. And while this is totally discriminatory, you know, it is um, allowed for employees with your consent to check your credit and use that as part of their decision process. And so 
try as best you can to kind of keep status quo until your husband finds a job. Don't go and, you know, close credit card accounts or put your home in a foreclosure or anything like that. Gosh, just try to keep status quo, keep things afloat if you can. And if, I don't know if this is possible for you, but if you have relatives in the area, siblings who can help with your efforts to uh, take care of your parents, that would also be something that I would reach out to close relatives and say, look, can, you know, can we come together and come up with some ways to all of us to, to help out? Because this is a huge uh, you know, responsibility for me. It's not allowing me to work. It's not allowing me to really dedicate time to you know, manage our finances. It's, it's, it's a lot, I know. And, and I don't think you're alone in, in your efforts to you know, take care of your aging parents. It's something that many, um, especially Gen Xers, are, are grappling with. It's like their aging parents and maybe even some kids of their own. So I would just say hang in there. If your husband can try to find also some side gigs in the meantime while he's looking for work, you know, uh, there are on the internet, there are websites that can help him find just quick odd jobs in the neighborhood, running errands. You know, TaskRabbit's great for this, but also Craigslist is great for this. And even uh, – you know, within your community, there might be an email listserv that you can join that um, can, where your husband can put, you know, some of his skills, what he's willing to do. Maybe you guys can pet sit. Like, I'm just thinking really outside the box. And I'm sorry that some of this sounds like you're rolling your eye, but I, I'm one of those people who is like, if I need to pay the bills, if I have financial obligations, I will do whatever it takes, even if it means dog sitting and I'm not a pet person, you know, like I will do what it takes to just in the short term at least keep things afloat. Your husband will find a job. That will happen. And I'm confident of that. But in the meantime, you know, you, you've got to put food on the table and keep the lights on and your parents got to be uh, taken care of. So just do what you got to do, what you can do, what's feasible in the hours that you have available to you to bring in some extra income and use the internet as a resource to get you from uh, not making money to making some money. And Please keep me posted. Thank you for writing in again. Um, I, I hope this was helpful. Albert writes in, says, two of my favorite authors are Thomas Stanley and Dan Solon. Will you have them as guests? Well, uh, Albert, I'm very sorry to say that Thomas Stanley passed away recently. He was the author of the famous finance books, The Millionaire Next Door. We all know this book, as well as The Millionaire Mind. And it was tragic. He passed away in a car accident earlier this year, and I believe it was February. He was in his early 70s. You know, he hadn't really done media for about 15 years, according to his um, some of the obituaries that I ran that I read online. So he was sort of reclusive in that way in the last decade or so. And Ron Lieber, whom I've had on the podcast, he's a personal finance columnist at the New York Times. He paid tribute to. Uh, Thomas Stanley in the New York Times saying that the enduring lesson of his book, The Millionaire Next Door, was that, and I quote, most of the rich grow wealthy because of modesty, thrift, and prudence. They live happily in starter homes. They don't subsidize irresponsible adult children. They have an allergy to luxury automobiles. And that just kind of gave me goosebumps because it is really true. And I I miss having, um, just knowing that Thomas Stanley is around and he was a fantastic writer and author and um, influencer and just wise beyond his time. When he wrote this book, it really kind of made people stop dead in their tracks and go, wait a minute, what? You mean the millionaire next door drives a Camry? Um, yes. And so I wish that I could have him on the show, but I hope that this was in some small way a, um, a way to tr- 
pay tribute to him. And um, and so good thinking. Um, but unfortunately, Thomas is no longer with us. Dan Solin, on the other hand, author of the smartest series of investing books, also endorsed by the New York Times. Um, yeah, I think he could be a great potential guest for us. I will reach out to his team. I believe he works for BAM Alliance. And I know um, Manisha Takor, who was a guest on So Money, also is a partner at uh, BAM Alliance. So perhaps through her, I can get to Dan. And um, if this is someone you want to hear from, I will make it a priority. Thanks, Albert. Natalie says, should I give up paid vacations for more money? And my thing is, you know, we don't take our vacations enough in this country. We are, as a country, we lag uh, behind many other European countries in particular that, you know, they give their employees, you know, a month or two months off from work. It's not uncommon for many employees to not use their vacations simply because they don't have time to plan, they don't have the budgets for vacations, they're overworked. So I would say if you can help it, keep those paid vacations. Don't cash in on those paid vacations. You you deserve time off. You know, you need time to unwind. This is an investment in you. And if you know, you need the money, I would try to think of other ways to get that money. If your paid vacations are going to amount to you know, $2,000 or whatever, find ways to save that money in other ways or make that money in other ways as opposed to giving up that vacation because you're giving up valuable time that is dedicated for you to re-energize, get that much needed rest. So I really would hate to see you not use those vacation days. And actually Expedia ran a survey about our travel habits across the world and found that Americans earn, well, as I said, they earn fewer vacation days than people in most countries. But even so, we still leave like an average two days of unused vacation days uh, on the table. So don't be a statistic. Take your vacation, enjoy your vacation, save up for your vacation. And that would be my advice. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning into this Sunday episode of Ask Farnoosh. As always, if you'd like to ask me a question, it's very simple. Just hop onto somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh. And you can ask me about, as you can tell, lots of different things, whether it's about a mortgage or guests that you would like to see, um, life decisions, like should I take my vacation? I love hearing from you. It's my way to understand more about what your needs are, what your concerns are, so that I can make this podcast really catered to you. And that's why I started this show. And that's what I will intend to do as long as it's alive. And hopefully it will be alive for some time coming. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I hope to see you right back here on Monday. In the meantime, I hope your Sunday is so money.